Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Because as much as I like to think I know a lot, I really don't. So that's pretty humbling to tell you that I don't know much. Um, But I'm still learning and I love to learn. I love to be teachable, and I'm especially loving, like, discovering heaven right now, and so I hope that after this series, you do too, Um, and it's not something that I did an intense study on for months on end for preparation for tonight. It's been um, the past six months of my life. It's been these tender moments with Jesus. It's been um, full of prayer and reading and research And that willingness to be teachable and that desire to learn. And most importantly, I think it's been okay. It's the fact that I need to be okay with not knowing it all. And to be honest, I felt pretty unqualified to teach on this topic. Um, We left the teaching team a few months ago, and we got in the car, and I looked at Thomas. And this might not be the word that I said, but I was like, shoot. What did I just sign myself up for? And he just laughed at me. He's like, you'll be fine. He always tells me, you'll be fine. He has more confidence in me than I have in myself sometimes. But after that one statement that I said, what did I just sign myself up for? All these lies and excuses started coming in up until pretty much Thursday. So um, lies like, you've only been passionately following Jesus for four years. You don't know enough. You're a 25-year-old chick. You can't preach. You haven't studied the Bible like other people on the teaching team. They're way more qualified to preach a message on heaven than you. But then I realized I had to put my big girl pants on and stop making excuses and letting the enemy feed me lies. Because you know what? I am qualified to teach about heaven. And it's not just because I can stand here on a stage with a microphone in my hand. It's because heaven is my home. I am a resident of heaven. You are a resident of heaven. And so just like I can teach about heaven, you get to do the same thing. I can tell you about my house here on earth. There's a fort in almost every single room. (laughs) There are trees that I wake up and I just stare in awe of every morning. I love my trees. I know where everything's at in my kitchen. I could tell you how to get around Peoria like no one else. And if you believe the same thing, that means you're just as qualified to teach about heaven. But it takes that desire to want to know more. It takes investment and time. Think about when you move into a new house. It takes time to learn where everything goes. It takes time to meet neighbors and to remember the street names around you and to find out the best way to target. <laughs> it takes time and it takes investment. It takes wanting to learn, that desire to learn. And my desire to learn about heaven didn't start when I said yes to preaching tonight. It started moments after my brother passed. 
I was no longer satisfied with the answers that he's in a better place. He's pain-free. Not even the answer he's with Jesus now. Because while I believe all those things to be true, I wanted to know more. My son wanted to know more. And I did not have the answers. He asked really good questions. And I'm like, man. But I didn't have the ability to answer them because I had never taken the time to learn or discover heaven. The answers I could give him were cheap answers, a cheap theology that I had been supplied with my entire life. And this is so important, church. Heaven isn't cheap. Heaven isn't cheap. So we better stop treating it like it is. You were bought with a price. You were bought by Jesus with a price, the price of his own blood. And heaven is a part of the reward that you were bought for. Jesus invested in you. And we invest so little in him. He invested in you. Let's start investing in heaven. Let's start learning and discovering all there is to know about our home. Your life here on earth, it's temporary. But the new earth, the new heaven, that's eternal. And we shouldn't be okay with not knowing anymore. I want to be excited about where I am going to spend eternity. I don't want to be okay with getting to heaven and realizing how amazing it is. And I lived this desperate, depressed life here on earth because I had no hope. Get excited. There is so much for us to experience. There's so much of heaven that you get to experience here on earth that we're missing out because we know nothing about heaven. My original plan tonight <clears throat> was to teach you about the new earth um, in more detail than what Ryan had time to cover last week, which you can go back and listen to that message because he did a phenomenal job of just laying this solid foundation for this series. Um, and it's been super fun to preach with two like big bros of mine in between them. Um, but... I'm going a completely different direction, so follow with. The new, the new earth, like I said, it will be this earth, but there will no longer be um, that separation between heaven and earth, so it will be flawless. There will be no sin. Um, Ryan's not in here tonight, but yes, there will, be, there will be animals, so yes, Ryan, there will be dogs when you listen to this later. <laughs> I think he'll have a better relationship with them because... He'll be less flawed. They'll be less flawed. It'll all be good. <laughs> we will have relationships with people. You'll have relationships that you have here on earth. You'll have those still in heaven. And then you get to build new relationships, like relationships with angels, which is so cool to me. And so instead of the flawed earthly relationships that we get here, like, hello, no more offense, no more conflict, no more lying, no more unmet expectations. 
these beautiful, perfect relationships. You will have jobs. We get to create things. We'll have homes. This one's my favorite. Because Colton tells me that he goes to visit Will in his dreams at night. And he's like, Mom, we hang out in a house made of gold. And we do all the things we did here on earth together. And I don't have a doubt that any of this is made up. Because for years, Thomas and I have prayed over his dreams every single night. We ask for not only good dreams, but prophetic dreams. And eyes to give eyes and a heart for him to see into the heavenly realm. And so I think he's just, he just gets this little glimpse. And it's, it's what his heart needs. And it's what my heart needs. We will eat and drink the best food that we have ever tasted in our lives. Our bodies will be made perfect. No more sickness. No more death. No more pain. No more grief. Sadness. A friend and I actually had a conversation a while ago about, um, about grief and about pain and sadness. And I had this, this revelation that um, those were things that were never, we were never meant to experience those things. So that's why like our flawed human nature, we don't know how to handle those things because God's original intent wasn't for you to experience death ever. And so I think it's okay that we don't know how to deal with these things. But we have hope. Because Revelation 21, 4 says, and quick recap, not recap, intro. Uh, John wrote Revelation. And it was this, um, it was a revelation that he got from Jesus of what is to come. And so uh, chapter 21, verse 4 he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That exclamation point at the end of there, I just think it's like shouting. I am making everything new. And then he said, Write this down. For these words, they're trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. The thought of Everything being made new. Everything perfect and blameless. That's something to look forward to. That's something to long for. Because our life here on earth, it's not going to be that way. And a couple weeks ago, Thomas and I were talking about heaven in the car on the way to a family member's house. Um, And I was telling him a few thoughts that I had. And... I started to kind of get offended and annoyed and frustrated. So we're getting ready to walk into, um, it was actually Thanksgiving. So we were walking into the house, and I told him he was wrong, and our conversation ended, and we went into the family dinner. There might have been a little bit of tension for the day. 
Um, guys, I'm being humble right now. I'm telling you, <laughs> laying it all out there. Um, but later in the day, I realized I was being irrational and I needed to apologize. So um, I apologized and being the gracious man that he is, he forgave me and also being the husband that he is and is called to be, he challenged me. And the way he challenged me, I could not even be mad at him because I was like, oh, well, yeah, you're right. So there's that. Um, But he challenged me with this. He said, babe, are you basing what you believe on heaven about your own desires and thoughts or what is actually true? He said, do you want heaven because of everything we've been through this year and it's easier or for Jesus? And he doesn't even remember like saying that to me, but I was like, you said it. And here's this message that came out of what you said. So thank you. And after that conversation, I had this massive shift in my heart. It's like a veil had been lifted from my eyes and off of my heart. And it's something that thankfully my husband could see because I could not. Because this year has absolutely sucked in just about every single way possible. And I'm not, I know I'm not the only one who has felt that. And my flesh, it craves heaven because it's pain-free. It craves heaven because there's no more suffering. Everything is perfect. Grief doesn't exist. Medical issues gone. I get to be with my brother again. I get to hold my first child in my arms. Revelation 21.4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Guys, those are all good things. God wants us to desire these things. He wants us to experience these things. That was his plan from the beginning. But our souls, they have to long for him first and foremost. To fully be in his presence. That's what heaven is, is fully in his presence. His physical presence, just like I'm standing here before you now. You get to walk with him in the cool of the day, smile, laugh, talk. Our souls long for what they were originally created for, which is life alongside our creator. Imagine how, what it was like for Adam and Eve in the beginning. They got life with the creator. They talked to God. They enjoyed his presence like nothing we have ever experienced before. And when we get to heaven, we get to see him face to face. We get to dwell among him. There will no longer be this separation. We get to be in his physical presence. Leviticus 26, 11 through 12. I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. Ezekiel 37, 27. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be their God. No more separation. You will be his people, 
He will be your God. There will never be any more of this confusion or tension that we live here in, with here on earth. His dwelling place will be among us. He will walk among us. He will talk with us and he will laugh with us and we get to enjoy every single moment of that. And I can't even imagine it. Like it seems hard to wrap my mind around dwelling with God in this perfect place. It seems like, like a dream or a fairy tale. But for some reason, I can wrap my mind around Jesus coming down to earth, perfect and blameless, and coming into our fallen and broken world. I can imagine him with his disciples eating and drinking, laughing with them. I even think about how he experienced things of our fallen, broken world, like crying and pain and sadness and loss. But I can't imagine life without all the imperfections that heaven has to offer us. And I find that so crazy. And I think it's because I've had this this limited view of heaven, like a, like tunnel vision of heaven. And it's been so, uh, so narrow that I don't even know what it would be like to be in the physical presence of God. And that should be the thing that draws me to heaven, is being physically in the presence of God. Right now, the church is in a season um, called Advent, and that is defined as the anticipation or the arrival of something, and that something is Jesus. And so right now, um, as we prepare for Christmas, we're in that season of anticipation of Jesus coming to earth as a man, as a baby. He didn't come just as a man. <laughs> that would be a little weird. Um, but him coming to earth. And something that I did not even think to know, I grew up um, knowing what Advent was my entire life, but we live in this, in the second Advent. So we, uh, we live in this time where we're waiting for Jesus to come back. And so we are living our lives, um, should be living our lives with this awaiting, this anticipation for Jesus to come back. And quite honestly, we're not doing a very good job of it. Because the earth, it's going to be fully restored. He came into our broken world so that he could come again, so that he could fully restore it for us. It's full circle. And two people that I want to start living my life like more, I don't think they get enough airtime. Um, their names are Simeon and Anna, and they're found in Luke 2. Verse 22, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Jesus and Mary, or not Jesus, Joseph and Mary, took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. Lord, may that be said about me. Righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. That is significant. The Holy Spirit was on him. Jesus was still a child 
So he had not died, so that veil had not been torn. That is significant. The Holy Spirit was on him. He had something that no one else at that time got. Something we take advantage of now. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, usually I can't get through this without crying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. That's also significant. Mary knew. The angel came and told her. But they were marveled at what was said about Jesus. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be the sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also prophet Anna, where all my women at, the daughter of Peniel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after marriage. And then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon was promised by God that he would not die without seeing the Savior. He waited his entire life in anticipation and longing to see Jesus. Can you imagine living your entire life with a desire to see the Savior? Because we probably don't do a very good job of it. And he had something else that no one else had. He had the Holy Spirit on him. And I think that is so cool and that is so significant. Because we get so much access to God because of Jesus. But I think we've become so, so ignorant to the presence of God. We take advantage of it. Or we think we deserve it. Or maybe you don't even think about it much at all. But we should be living with that same exact longing and desire to see our Savior as Simeon. Lord, may the only things be written about me is that I long to see you. Anna, on the other hand, was a widow who fasted and prayed and never left the temple. That leads me to believe that the temple had become her home. And then the temple at that time was the holiest place where you had access to the presence of God. And I think it's this beautiful image of heaven being in the holiest place with the presence of God. 
and she got to meet Jesus. But instead of asking to be dismissed like Simeon, instead she went around telling people that the Savior had come and that she, she held him in her arms. She spent the rest of her days telling about her Savior and the redemption of Jerusalem. And I believe we are called to live our lives like both of them. Like Simeon and Anna. Two people who get just a few verses in here, but are so significant. We should live with a longing and a waiting to meet our Savior, but also telling and proclaiming the good news that is Jesus. I also planned on telling you to think about your best day tonight. Um, and I even took it to Instagram. And I wanted to, I was just curious what people thought because I can think of mine. Um, and something that blew me away was by, from out of all the responses, there were only two people who told me that their best day would have time with Jesus in it. And you want to know what's even more convicting? Those two people are two, two 19-year-old girls. And my heart was so convicted because when I think about my best day, I don't even think I thought about Jesus. And to be real honest, not to be a buzzkill, your perfect day does not exist. Um because we live in this fallen, broken world, so you're not going to get your best day. And I had to come to terms with that. It was actually extremely difficult for me to come to terms with that, because my best day involves my brother. And so my best day, it doesn't exist here in, on earth anymore. My best day gets to happen when I'm in heaven, with Jesus right there with me. So instead, the Lord has been teaching me um, just through these small moments where I feel his presence and I experience joy like nothing I've ever experienced before. And up until a few weeks ago, Thomas and I both, um, he might have had other moments besides what I had, but it had probably been a good six months since I've experienced joy. Like true joy. And this is going to be kind of a silly story. Um, but every year we go and get a Christmas tree. And I've cut down a tree every year, minus one year. So 24 years of life. I don't know how old I am, 25. Um, <laughs> and we looked and looked for the perfect tree. And the tree Thomas wanted from last year, because I won the tree battle last year. I won this year too. Um, his tree was not there. And he was like so bummed. I was like, what did you expect? That was a good looking tree. Of course, it's not back there. Um, and everybody wanting Christmas early this year, most of the trees were already cut down or tagged or whatever. And so we're walking around, and Colton and I come across this tree called Tiny Tim. <laughs> Tiny Tim's tag said he was 11 feet tall. 
And $55, which was way better than like a tree this big that was $75. So it took some, Thomas made us do like another lap around the tree farm before he (laughs) agreed. And so we're standing there looking at this tree. And I was like, how tall do you think the ceilings are? He's like, probably nine, 10 feet. I was like, cool. We only have to take a little bit off the top. It's going to fit in the house. This is going to be great. Well, we got, well, first of all, the tree hung off the back of our car quite a bit. Um, Like the kid putting the tree on top of our car, he's like, wow, this is a big tree. Like I've never put one on. Yeah, it was funny. And they had to like tie a string to it. So we didn't get in trouble by cops. We got home. I went inside and I like took a tape measure and I measured the ceiling and I was like, it's eight feet tall. (laughs) So Carl boys, shout out to you for bringing the chainsaw over. Um, Because we went outside and measured the tree again. And I don't know how they measure trees. Um, (laughs) But this tree was 15 feet tall. (laughs) was not 11 feet tall. So, um, you can go to the next picture. Ike, our tree has a nice flat top. <laughs> we went to bed that night, and Thomas is like, babe, I just wanted a pointy tree. And I was like, yeah, sorry. But I had trees like this big when I was a kid, and so, like, I was just so, so excited. And I'm not going to show you the videos my mother-in-law took because uh, she sat on the couch and <laughs> watched Tom bring the chainsaw in to cut down more. <laughs> and then later that night, I'm sitting in the chair and the tree fell on top of me. <laughs> and Thomas turned around and he's like, I just have to look at you for a minute <laughs> instead of helping me. So we had to put screws in the wall and tie the tree to the wall. But after the tree fell on me, I looked at Thomas and I was like, this is the first time I have laughed in so long. And it's a silly story to tell now, but I'm just so thankful for truly experiencing joy over something as silly as a Christmas tree. And we get those little moments all the time. But sometimes we kind of just shove them off. Or, again, that ignorance to the presence of God. Because joy was his idea. Laughter, his idea. And he wants us to experience those things. And when we do experience them, are they in a manner that is pleasing to him? Are they in a manner that is respectful to God? I read something that was so good that, like, we get to laugh with God in heaven. But it won't be over these perverted, like, corrupted things that we laugh about here on earth. Like, things that get our attention here on earth, those aren't things that we get to laugh and experience with God. Think back to that repentance piece that Peyton talked about earlier. We got to start repenting of those things. The small, what feels like the smallest of things that matters to God. In John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Only to steal, kill, and destroy. 
I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Church, too often we think so practically with our human minds, like you were given the Holy Spirit for a reason. Because your human mind, it's so limited. And God has so much more for you than just right here, right now on earth. And instead, that's all we, that's all we really think about. Like, you say yes to Jesus, and heaven just kind of becomes this thing like, oh, yeah, I'll get there. Like, heaven happens after I die. And that's not true whatsoever. If you believe in Jesus, then you believe in heaven, and then you believe in eternal life. And that means you believe in a full life, but that full life isn't just in heaven. Heaven, what we get to experience, that's a life that is so hard for us to comprehend. And God has given us so much in here, in his word, so that we can comprehend, so that we can start to understand and discover and desire it. I don't want heaven to be this dream or this fairy tale to me any longer. I don't want to be okay with this fallen, broken world. I don't want to be okay with the things that it offers me that are broken and unsatisfying. I don't want to live with these blinders anymore that keep me from fully experiencing Jesus. Because you get to do that. You get to fully experience him here on earth. And eternity, it doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment you say yes to Jesus. It starts the moment, the very second that you say yes to Jesus. That is when eternity starts for you. Saying yes to Jesus, it's saying yes to heaven. But our longing for him, it needs to start with being only for him. I don't want to desire heaven for all that it has to offer me and leave Jesus out of it. And I'm going to challenge you like my husband challenged me. Are you really desiring Jesus or do you desire heaven because you're scared of hell? Check your heart. Are you really desiring Jesus? Or are you desiring heaven because it's pain-free? Check your heart. Are you really desiring Jesus first to be the first person that welcomes you into heaven? Or are you desiring it because you want to be reunited with someone? It's not a bad thing. I cannot wait for that moment. But I should be desiring Jesus first. And I want a full life here on earth. And that, that doesn't come without desiring Jesus. You don't get a full life here on earth if you're missing Jesus. Because if you're missing Jesus, you're missing heaven too. It's time to not be okay with it anymore.
time to fully experience the presence of God like we were meant to. He wants that for you. Jesus has so much waiting for you. So much that he desires for you. But he desires you first. He chooses us first. It's time that we pick him first. Because none of us deserve it. None of us have earned it. And we long for all these other things before Jesus. And I can only imagine how that breaks the heart of God. And yet he still loves us, and he still pursues us, and he still desires to physically be with us again. Our mistakes, that doesn't cancel out all that he's preparing for us in heaven. Psalm 63, one says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Jesus, I want to be known for my longing for you. Jesus, I want you first in my life. In my life. Not, the, not this life that I live right here, right now on earth. God, I want you first for eternity. I don't want your physical presence, the idea of your physical presence, to feel like, like a fairy tale, like nothing that will ever happen. Jesus, will you just excite our hearts to desire more of you? Jesus, we need more of you. We are broken people with little to offer. And what we do have, God, we lay it at your feet. We lay our brokenness and the things that you want to make whole, God, we lay them at your feet. And may our heart posture be one of kneeling before you, God. May our hearts long and thirst for you like never before. Jesus, may we live in this this anticipation to get to be with you for eternity. To long for heaven is to long for you, God. Jesus, may we long for you today. May we long for you tomorrow. And may we long for you for eternity. It's in your name. Amen. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I think you've seen the enemy at work in 2020, yes? We've seen his steal, stealing, you've been stolen from. We've seen his death, 
and destruction. But the enemy is getting too much glory. There's the other half of that verse. Jesus says, I have come to give you life and to give it more abundantly. So right now in your hearts, in this moment, I want you to shift from what's happened and the pain and destruction of 2020. I want you to shift and see heaven and see what he's doing. Life more abundantly. See, heaven just isn't something that's coming one day. Heaven is activated here and now. And Jesus says, the kingdom is right here. You've got to grab hold of it. He says, I'm making everything new. I'm making. That's happening right now. He's making you new right now. Heaven is falling to earth. You've got to grab hold of it. We've got to shift our attention and our gaze. It doesn't mean it's not real. The death, destruction, the stealing, that's real. But we shift to something better. We shift to a heavenly perspective. We grab a hold of that. We say, okay, we see you. That's painful, devil. But we remind you who you are. You are defeated. You are done. And we stand in heaven's view. We grab hold of what is falling to earth. We grab hold of the kingdom of God. So in this moment right now, if man, I think we've bottled so much up this year. If that's you, if you just need to let that go, if you need to shift your perspective, I just invite you up to this altar right now in this moment. Stop striving and start resting in his promise. Gaze on him. Just come forward right now. If you need prayer for anything, healing in your body, or if you're just simply saying, God, I want to shift my perspective from a perspective of death and destruction, of everything, that's, it's real. It's going on around us. But I shift to someone greater, something greater. I receive the abundance of heaven that is being poured out in my life. Because when the dark gets dark, the light gets lighter. And you are part of the remnant. You have to grab hold of the kingdom. Keep coming forward if you need prayer. I'm just going to sing a little bit of that again. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in my heart, all of these hearts, hearts that will listen to this on the podcast. We thank you that heaven is falling to earth, and we choose to live in a heavenly perspective. God, would you just pour out favor, do miracles on these people here that have, that have come forward, that are asking you for something. They are knocking. They are seeking. They are banging on heaven's door. They're saying, God, ah, that's me. I'm desperate for you. I want your presence. Show it to me here and now. Do miracles. Do signs. Do wonders in the life of these people, your church. We thank you for the remnant that is rising up. We thank you for the faith that is rising up. We thank you for hope. We have eternal hope. God, would we not just let it be contained in what happens in this building? Would we spread the hope? Would we bring the hope? Would we bring the life abundant to the world that we touch every day? Would we bring joy? God, would you cause us to laugh again? Would you just release joy in this season? And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. 
It's happening again. We see you coming again. We thank you, God, we're in another Advent season where you are doing great and mighty things. Thank you, Jesus. May we not wish away these days, but would we press in to what heaven is doing, how heaven is remaking our hearts, reshaping our lives, retooling our earth. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your precious and holy name that we pray and all God's people said, amen.